Welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're here. For more information, you can visit hallelujah.org or download the AOI app on Apple or Google Play. Hello, my name is uh, Kyle Wilkes. For those of you who don't know me, uh, I'm married to my wife, Julie. We have four kids, Bree, Resner, Brixley, and Carver. And I consider it uh, quite an honor that the Assembly would be gracious enough to ask me to speak to you guys on this, the last great high day, which, you know, if you, if you read through uh, the Bible, um, you'll realize that Yahweh sanctified time, and he sanctified the Sabbath in this, in this book of time, and then he also sanctified his high days, which is quite unique, I think, and quite profound. profound. So here we are on one of his sanctified high days. Um, so my hope is that some of the things that I say will be beneficial to, to some of you guys. Um, you know, I always, I always think to myself before I come up, I'm like, Yahweh used a donkey. Maybe he can use me to speak. Um, you know, other people write like things like, I can do all things through him. On my paper, I have, he used a donkey. Okay. Okay. It gives me some encouragement. <clears throat> Um, so, first off, before I get too far along, this has been a great service. We've had, I think, great feasts, great services, um, uh, amazing music. I'm obviously not gifted in that way, but I, I know people who are. And, um, you know, we've had great messages. So, even the way I feel about it, even if I bomb, you've heard nine Great messages. So, I mean, one bad one out of, out of nine or, you know, ten, however many it's been, isn't terrible. Um, but I do have a story uh, that I wanted to tell. And it was just, this lady was so over-the-top nice to me um, when she could have not been. Uh, I almost feel like I have to give her some public credit because she deserves it in my book. Her name was Sandra. So, um, if you're, when you're a Sabbath keeper, and I don't know, I think, I think this is just something that Sabbath keepers do, you, and we've done it our whole lives, you get these texts from, uh, when, either from your mom, from your wife, uh, from your dad, like somebody in the family is always texting on a Friday going, don't forget to get gas, don't forget to get gas. So Julie sent me this text on a Friday, not very long ago, and she said, Hey, don't, for, don't forget to fill up for sundown. Um, so I'm, you know, I've, I thought I was busy. So, but, I, you know, I'm like, well, you know, you can't overlook gas, right? It catches up to you if you do. So I whooped in to the local stripes, um, and I started putting in gas. I ran in to get a water. I came back out, and there's my truck. It's still pumping away. Um, so, no big deal. I jump inside. I'm sitting there. I fire off a little text. Um, maybe I was shooting Julia a text. Uh, I'm just trying to throw some blame her way on this. I was shooting Julia a text, maybe, that said, I'm getting gas. And I finished my text. And I just said, I'm out of here. I just threw her in gear and took off. And, and this, I heard, and about the time I heard this pop, I remembered. There's one more step that I forgot about. So 
Oh, man, I looked, you know, you look in your, in your uh, side mirror, and all I see is this nozzle. And you guys know, the Strops in Cisco, we're in a small town. You know, most of the people here we've met, and they know you. And so here I am driving around the Strops with this nozzle in my truck. So it's kind of like when you fall and you jump up and look around and see who saw you. Uh, it's that same reaction. So I jump out of the truck. I run over. I take the nozzle out. I put it back. Oh, yeah, nobody will notice. I wrap the hose around the little post that keeps people from taking the, the pumps totally out. And I get back in my truck, and I look, and the only person at the gas station is somebody in a U-Haul. I'm not seeing that guy ever again. So I'm like, yes. So uh, I pull in to the little thing that's closer to the door, and I'm pretty sure my face is more red than it is right now. I walk in, and I'm like, how do you start this conversation? Like, hey. So, um, so I'm like, hey, and I call this lady. She was over there fixing to make a taco, and she comes over. Her name is Sandra, and she said, and I go, I accidentally ripped your nozzle off the pump over there. And this lady, and, you know, she could have put me through the ringer, I feel like. Um, I mean, but she didn't. She goes, hey, that's not, a, that's not a problem. It happens. She goes, I'll turn it in. And I'm looking at her like, yeah, what's the catch? Like, you need my insurance? Like, and she's like, nope. I get it. You're probably embarrassed. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> she's, like, she's like, don't worry about it. You go into the football game? I'm like, well, not, no. She's like, okay. Well, all right. And that was it. And she just let me go. And it was so kind when she could have, like, really made me feel like the putz I was. She just let it go. And I just wanted to tell you guys that story because her kindness meant a lot to me that day. Uh, and I feel like as we leave this feast, having been so blessed and so fortunate, you know, as we go out into this world, as we head back into Babylon, I think we can also kind of, you know, show that graciousness, show that, show that kindness, and show that light. Um, as you can see, we're going to turn, spoiler alert, Jeremiah chapter 29, uh, verse 5 and 14. And we have been talking about Jeremiah uh, and reading through Jeremiah a lot because, as you guys know, that's our feast theme. Um, and as we've been kind of going through Jeremiah, I read this verse about what uh, the message that Jeremiah sent to the people who have been taken captive in Babylon. And I want to pay special attention to verses 5 through 8. We'll read further down, but... We're going to jump back to that. It says, um, build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands. So that they may bear sons and daughters. That you may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive. And pray to Yahweh for it. For in its peace you will have peace. For thus says Yahweh of hosts, the Elohim of Israel. Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says Yahweh. For thus says Yahweh, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. 
For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says Yahweh, thoughts of peace and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me. When you search for me with all your heart, I will be found by you, says Yahweh, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will give you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says Yahweh. I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. You know, so just like the children of Israel, when we leave here and we're, you know, back, back out in the world tomorrow, back out in, the, in, in Babylon, you know, and we, when we go out there, we're going to face trials and tribulations and things. And um, we're going to talk about that because I, I want to encourage you, you all uh, and myself, to like, understand that just like the captivity in Babylon was temporary and Yahweh said, hey, you're going to be here longer than some of your prophets are telling you because that's not for me. You're going to be here 70 years, but I'm going to bring you back. He's got a plan for us. He's got a plan for his people. He's got a plan for salvation. Um, But we have to do our part. I also want to point out that in that, in that text, he talks about, like, telling them, hey, you're going to be here a while, so do things. Like, don't stop living. Don't stop increasing. Don't stop those things. Take wives, produce, multiply. multiply. Do not decrease. And he even, he even says in there, he's like, pray for your cities. They're in these captives, and, and it's odd that, like, a, like, yeah, they, these people took them captive. They were slaves in Babylon. And he's like, hey, pray for your cities. Right? What I get from that is we, as Yahweh's people, as faith-based people, we should have impact on our communities. We should be doing things in our communities. You know, I know a guy who wrote a song. And in this song, it says, I'd rather see a sermon than to hear one any day. He goes, I'd rather one to walk with me than merely show the way. That's what, that's what we need to do when we go out there. You know, and there will be, um, there will be tough times, and there's, there's a lot of things that, you know, you have to give up or you don't do or you turn away from or you tell people, no, hey, I, I, can't, I can't do that. And some of those things on the surface can seem very fun, them being great, but maybe they're not for us. You know, and, and as we go back into the world, let us not let the pressures of our peers and the pressures of people who don't share our values, don't let that be a guiding force in our life. There was a, there was a lady, and I didn't write her name down, but she's one of the oldest ladies who was living at the time. I think she may have passed now, but she was, she was verifiably 120 years old, they said. And she was getting interviewed, and they asked her, they said, what is the best thing about reaching your age? And she looked at him and said, I have no peer pressure. <laughs> peer pressure, she's kind of old, so there's no way. <clears throat> Let's be the same. Let's not let Babylon pressure us. Let us show Babylon the lot. 
I think I have a slide. Okay, Mark 24. Okay, so um, I'm some I'm new to the slide game, so I may forget from time to time. <clears throat> the point of feast, the point of this special time, the point of this fellowship is for us to draw closer to Yahweh. John Robinson said it, I think, very well when he said in his message, he said, keep going to the light. Keep going to the light. He's like, you're going to stumble. Keep going to the light. That sentence is an action sentence. It takes action. He's like, it does, it's not, don't sit there and hope the light finds you. Go towards that light when you see it. James 2 and 14 says, What does it profit, my brethren, if a man says he has faith but has not works? Can his faith save him if a brother or sister is ill-clad and in lack of daily food? And one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What does it profit? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. We can't expect results if we're not doing anything. Don't let someone tell us that we can continue to live a Babylonian lifestyle and that's all we need. We got to have we got to have action with our faith. We just can't have faith and then just live like Babylonians. We've got to we've got to let that light, let that love turn into something, turn into kingdom building. You guys remember the story of Simon of Serene? He's just standing there, and suddenly, some Roman soldiers grab him, and next thing he knows, he's carrying the stake for Yahshua. Uh, Mark 15 and 21 says, And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Serene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his stake. One moment, he's on the sidelines, and one moment, he's in the spotlight. Does he know? Did he understand that moment in time? I don't know. It doesn't say. It doesn't say a lot of things. You know, it's kind of like this quick snippet in there um, that just says he was a bystander, and boom. The next thing you know, he's, he's in this, the most pivotal moment in the history of the world. So I ask you this, are we, are we a bystander? Are we just kind of hanging out, just kind of, you know, standing on the sidelines, looking, saying, Yahshua, man, I hope you make it. Are we kind of like Simon? Are we helping? Are we building to kingdom? Are we doing things that matter with our time that we have here? Are we just one of many in the crowd? 1 Peter 3.13.18 says, Now who will harm you if you are eager to do what is good? But even if you do suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear, and do not be intimidated. But in your hearts sanctify Yahshua as Messiah. Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an account for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and reverence. Keep your conscience clear so that when you are maligned those who abuse you for your good conduct in messiah may be put to shame 
For it is better to suffer for doing good, if suffering should be Yahweh's will, than to suffer for doing evil. For Yahshua also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to Yahweh. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Notice verse 17. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if suffering should be Yahweh's will, than to suffer, Yahweh's will, than to suffer for doing evil. When we stand in the gap, there's a high probability that there might be some suffering going on, or there may be a price to pay in this world for us to make a stand, give an account, do something. There's, there's a lot of times a price to be, to be paid. Ezekiel, of course, said it's spot on in Ezekiel 22.30. It says, And I sought for anyone among them who would repair the wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land so that I would not destroy it, but I found no one. You know, what a uh, sad state of affairs. When, when Father Yahweh, you know, he's looking around and like, there's no one. Like who? Who are we going to find? Yahweh is looking for people to stand in the gap. He's looking for people to go out and do things that build kingdom, that build salvation, that put light into the world. We must do what we can, when we can, where we can. Uh, you guys all know this. I, th- I know. I think I speak for a lot of us. It's kind of one of it's one of my favorite scriptures, um, and I think it's one of y'all's favorite scriptures. A lot of you. It's Joshua twenty four fifteen. It says, "Now, if you are unwilling to serve Yahweh, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors." served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve Yahweh. You know, Lad spoke about having a plan before you're in the battle. I mean, that's kind of Joshua's battle cry there. He's like, as for me and my house, we're going to serve Yahweh. He didn't just, he didn't walk up there and kind of make this quick decision. Like, you know, like, you know what, guys? Um, y'all serve those guys. We're going to serve Yahweh. He knew in his heart way before he was speaking to the children of Israel, this is what we're doing, and here's the, here's the line in the sand. And we're going to need more people with that mindset as you see the world. And I'm not going to go into, like, all the, hey, all this bad stuff's happening out in the world. We, right, we knew that. Like, right, that's not, a, that's not a mystery. It was foretold a long time ago. Bad things happen. You know, there's just... It's going to get bad out there. But what we've got to do is understand that we need to put that, that line in the sand and say, hey, we're not going to do those things. We're going to serve Yahweh. We're going to put our faith in Yahshua, that his blood is the only blood that can save. That's what we're going to do. You know, <clears throat> sometimes... Sometimes life throws curveballs at you. It does, uh, you know, it happens. Like, we're living life, and, um, and it's, it's hard, and it's hard for a reason, because Yahweh is sharpening us. Like Danny talked about, sharpening. You got to sharpen. You got to get sharpened. We've been doing that at Feast. We've been sharpening the sword. Iron sharpens iron. 
But if, if you went through life and it was this big, you know, magical float, and all you had to do was throw candy out to people, I mean, I mean that's not, that doesn't, that, that's not going to build you. That's not going to make you like the kind of person that, we're, that Yahweh's looking for. Life's hard. And as you, as you go through life, sometimes you're going to find that your house is in disarray. You know, Jacob woke up one day, and he, he figured that out. He's like, why you guys got all these idols running around? Throw all that stuff around. We're done with that, right? So sometimes that's what happens. You wake up, and you see, hey, there's some things going on, and I got to fix them. I would submit there's a great time. After having a week like this, it's a great time to take account, to do an inventory of our lives and say, okay, what have I been letting slide? What have I been letting go? What, have I, what can I do and what can I change to get my house in order? And sometimes it's not really you. Maybe there's, maybe there's just, you know, families are big and, and there's all this stuff going on, right? Just start. Like you, you, can't, you can't always fix everything like instantly, you know? As guys, we want to fix problems ASAP. Like the uh, problem is... Most problems take time, and they take work, and they take effort. So start with that. My dad always told me, um, you know, when we were building buildings, and I've told you this a bunch of times, but I think it's very relevant. Like they hand you this big set of drawings when you're in, in any kind of construction business. Like here's all these drawings. And it can seem overwhelming when someone gives you this massive drawing, this whole building. And sometimes that's how our... Our house are, can be kind of in that same magnitude. It can, you can look around at all these things going on in your life, and you'll be like, oh, where do I start? How do I get back on track? And I think you start the same way, the same way you start, like Ferris says, when you build a building. You start with one wall. It's like everything is built one wall at a time. You just, I'm going to build this wall, and then I'm going to build that wall, and then I'm going to build this wall. Then we're going to build this wall. And over time, order starts to become out of chaos, and you can start to see this house getting built, this castle rise out of the sand. Maybe not out of the sand. Let's, raise, let's make it go out of the rock. Maybe we'll do that. But it starts, it starts to develop into something. I think you guys get the point. Uh, remember Moses, the great leader, uh, he led the children of Israel out of bondage. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll read that. We'll read this. I hope you guys can, can see that. If not, you all have Bibles. So uh, Exodus 3 and 13. But Moses said to Yahweh. <clears throat> so let me back up. Yahweh's saying, Moses, I want you to go talk to Pharaoh, and you're going to lead all these children of Israel. You're going to lead them out of bondage. You're the guy. <clears throat> Here's kind of what Moses is thinking. But Moses says to Yahweh, if I come to the Israelites and say to them, the Elohim of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Yahweh said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. Yahweh also said to Moses, thus you shall say to the Israelites, Yahweh, the Elohim of your ancestors, the Elohim of Abraham, the El of Isaac, and the El of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this 
and this my title for all, all generations. Go and assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, Yahweh, the Elohim of your ancestors, the El of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, has appeared to me, saying, I have given heed to you and to what has been done to you in Egypt. I declare that I will bring you up out of the misery of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, and the Havites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. They will listen to your voice. And you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, Yahweh, the Elohim of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us now go a three days journey into the wilderness so that we may sacrifice to Yahweh our Elohim. I know, however, that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders that I will perform in it. After that, he will let you go. I will bring this people into such favor with the Egyptians that when you go, you will not go empty-handed. Each woman shall ask her neighbor and any woman living in the neighbor's house for jewelry or silver and of gold and clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters, and so you shall plunder the Egyptians. Then Moses answered, But suppose they do not believe me or listen to me, but say, Yahweh did not appear to you. So Moses... I mean, I resonate with what Moses is saying there, right? Like, Yahweh's saying, hey, I need you to do this. And Moses is saying, well, why do they don't listen? You know, that sounds like a great plan. The only flaw I see in this plan, Moses is kind of like, is, why do they don't believe me? Um, right? Because Moses knows, and he got a full dose of it in the wilderness journey story. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of responsibility. You listen to a lot of grumbling. There's a lot of problems leading a nation out of bondage. He know, he's seeing, like Moses, he's unwilling, I think, for a reason. And then he has to overcome the whole idea. I'm going to tell them all this. Why do they don't believe me? You know, but we can also be that. We can also do the, that same. We can be that same way. You know, when, when we have that opportunity to do something. And yeah, we're probably not going to get the opportunity to lead a nation out of bondage, but when we get that opportunity to do something, I know in myself, a lot of times, I'm very hesitant. I'll tell you a quick story um, about a time that we were, uh, we were having a big meeting. So <clears throat> we took our, our team, we work in the, in the build, we build, we're developers, so we, you know, we're in the building business, and uh, we say that we are anyway. Uh, and we had this meeting, and we're up there. It's, it's very, they have these very nice offices in Dallas where we're meeting with this other development company. Um, and they were all, we had our team uh, sitting around the table. My, my brother Josh was there, and, uh, and I'm there, and our team, and they're on their side, and, and we're discussing plans. Uh, and, uh, you know, this architect that we had hired, he's up there talking. He's telling this, telling me this, then this is what this looks like, and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, it's, it's my turn. It's like he's fixing to hand the baton to Kyle. Um, and he does. And I got nothing. Like, he hands it to me. He's like, Kyle, you want to tell us about uh, the vision and the commitment? Yeah, I do want to do that. But I was kind of like Moses. I was like, huh. But, uh. So I kind of like fumbled, stumbled through it, you know. 
I am one of the guys who I kind of feel bad when I see Biden. I'm like, hey, that's kind of me. Like, I can, I can see myself saying those kind of things. Like, I don't know. Like, and that's what I did. And it was, it was a little bad. It was a little awkward because I just kind of stumbled through it. And you could see the whole team. They were all like, what? Who brought this guy? I don't know. Y'all invited me. So we get to the, it was so bad. We, so we, the meeting ends. And they're like, you know, and all you, and like, I'm with, with a great group over here. So they're kind of like throwing me crumbs, hoping I can find my path back to, to something that's cohesive. And they're like, hey, uh, Kyle, tell them what you're talking about this. Say what you're talking about. And I'm just, yeah, yeah, that's, that, we got something over here that's pretty cool. And anyway, so I'm, it's so bad. We get to the bottom of the elevator and we walk out of the lobby and nobody's saying nothing. Like, I don't blame them. Uh, <laughs> there's no coming back from this. Uh, we go to the bottom, we're out in the lobby. And the only thing I, I just looked at them was like, Hey guys, I'm sorry. I don't know. I just didn't have it. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, and like, oh yeah, that's fine, Kyle. That's fine, Kyle. Uh, that's the great thing about keeping low expectations. Like you know, like, oh, that's fine. We expected that. <laughs> no, they're very generous with me. But we find ourselves in life. Like here's the ball, and here we are fumbling it, right? Um, <clears throat> okay, find my spot. You know, we got to stay away. We got to stay away from self-doubt. We know that in this walk, it's easy for doubt to creep in. It's easy for us to tell ourselves, "We can't get there. We're not going to make it. There's, it's too hard. It's too much commitment. Whatever it is, we gotta, we gotta stay away from that, and we gotta remember that, sure." As Joshua warned us, there's most likely some, some suffering and some, some arrows that are undeserved that come your way. But like Peter said, it's better to suffer for doing right than for doing wrong. Because when you do wrong, if you play that out, there's suffering. It's just when does that suffering happen? Like, it's just when. So, um, Matthew 6, 19 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, and their thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consume, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I want to encourage you guys to stay in the fight. You have very much encouraged me through this feast. And, and I want to, to warn myself mostly because sometimes verbalizing your own thoughts, it's easier for you to kind of like remember them yourself. And if it benefits you and if you can see this, then, then good. Um, but sometimes in life, it don't like it can almost, we're talking a lot about things getting hard and stuff, but sometimes one of the greatest pitfalls we can have is the pitfall of life being too easy for us. So when I was a kid, um, we would, we would get, my dad, I had a lot of Sundays, my dad and my mom and all the kids, we'd get together, and we'd take our hatchets, and we'd take, I think I've told this story uh, before here, um, and we'd take like different ribbon. It would be blue, red, pink, whatever. And we would make different trails through the woods and that was our activity for the day. Uh, and we loved it. I mean, it was a lot of fun. Um, 
Especially me and Josh really liked it because we would use those same trails to get from point A to point B when we were hunting stuff, right? So our, our younger siblings didn't realize they were basically helping our hunting program. Uh, so, but we would go through and we'd make these trails. And, and when the woods was super thick, it's super easy to see where that trail is. I would say it's harder to get off sometimes that trail when it's really thick because you're like, well, here's the trail. No, not a problem. I don't even need the ribbons. But when the walking got easy and the trees kind of separated and there was all these gaps, right? Sometimes if you didn't have the ribbons and these post, like these post marks, it's really easy to get, to kind of get off. You could be like, oh, because there's so many options. It's too easy. There's two, the walking was easy. And I think that's how our life can be a lot of times. A lot of times we can experience a time when walking is just too easy. There's too many options, you know. I would be misinforming you if I didn't tell you this drought has helped my prayer life, right? Because when you don't get rain, it's hard to not think that, Father, are you, you kind of holding back the rain? Are we like, it? I mean, what are we, what's going on here? Like, it hasn't rained in a while. And I, we've been praying a lot of prayers for rain. But it's kind of those times, this is probably a bad example, but it's when things get hard sometimes that, you know, it draws us back in to this path that we should be on. So I want to put up some caution tape. Not quite like Lad did, but put up the caution tape. It's just think about sometimes don't let the, our, our, the easiness that we may have it in America, don't let that get in the way of your salvation and cause you to go down some path that maybe we, sh- maybe we shouldn't be uh, going down. Remember when Luke says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is fit for the kingdom of Yahweh. You know, there is, I love that verse. Um, I loved it so much that I didn't even note what, uh, where in Luke that is, but I do love that verse because faith is constant. You can't say on one day, oh, I'm going to follow Yahshua and Yahweh. I'm going to do this. And then on the other day, be somebody different. When we leave here, we need to be the same person that we've been for the last 10 days. We need to put our hand to the plow and not take it off. We've... uh, Sometimes you read your notes and you're like, nope, I don't think I can make it through that. <laughs> so uh, there are many times, there are many times that your work, your effort will go unnoticed, unappreciated. You'll be doing things. I mean, how many things have people done this week here? Cleaning dishes, um, you know, helping 
uh, cook pizzas with the pizza people. Uh, Tamara, like, for example, Tamara jumps in the food truck's pizza kitchen and starts helping them, like, do the pizza things so that she could, they could serve, she could serve faster. Like, that was, that was pretty nice. Um, I like pizza. Uh, but there's so many things. But most of the stuff you do that's good is going to, nobody will know. And you don't want them to know. Not, like, you're not doing it for that reason. When you guys are picking up trash and nobody sees it, when you guys are washing dishes and nobody sees it, when you're practicing a song, nobody sees it, well, all these things, you know, and this is just this. I mean, when you're out in the world, there's all these things that you, nobody knows, nobody sees it. Sometimes... It is hard not to get weary of doing good, but don't, because you're building your treasure in heaven. Yahweh sees it. Yahweh sees it. I encourage you to keep going. You know, Proverbs says, a good name is more desirable than great riches. Favor is better than silver and gold. Keep it up. Um, You know, you guys, I know a lot of people feel this way. But you guys, this week, for my family, have added spiritually to us because of the type of people you are, the type of presence you have, the type of actions you show. You have made a spiritual impact, not only on me, but on our whole family. And I'm very much in your debt for that. 1 Timothy 6.21 says, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you. Avoid the profane, chatter, and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some have missed the mark as regards, as regards the faith. Grace be with you. When we go out of here and go back into Babylon, there's a lot of false knowledge. A lot of false knowledge out there. Let's guard ourselves, and let's be ever watchful as we go out. Isaiah uh, 520, verse 24, and I'm not going to read all this because I may need to move along a little faster, but it says, Ah, you who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. That's that's, That's the world we're living in today. And, you know, like I said, it's, it's been foretold that that, that, would ha- that that is presence. But we're not the first ones to face that. People, people have, believers have faced that throughout time. They've had to deal with these things. There's nothing new under the sun. But we don't have to be a part of that. We need to do what we can, when we can, where we can. We must be the light, and we must repel the darkness. You know, maybe Josh uh, gave a message on Esther not too long ago. And um, sometimes when I'm, I'm listening to messages, I call it R&D. And most people think R&D is 
research and development, but what I call R&D is replicate and duplicate. And Josh gave a great message on Easter. And, and you know, and it, and it popped in my head, you know, what Mordecai said, for such a time as this, you know, that's what we have to prepare for. That moment when we're called to stand in the gap, just like Esther, just like Simon, just like Moses, the Bible is full of people who said, hey, here I am, send me. And that's the people we should be. That's the people that we should be. Matthew 10, 16 says, See, I'm sending you out like sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpent and innocent as doves. Beware of them, for they will hand you over to councils and flog you in, the, in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings because of me, as a testimony to them and the Gentiles. When they hand you over, do not worry about how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you at that time. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all because of my name. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. For and you will be hated because all and you will be hated by all because of my name. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And I take a lot of comfort in it saying that don't worry about what to say. We're going to give you the words. And for a guy like me, that's comforting. <clears throat> Let me get a little situated here. <clears throat> Now, when we, look, when we look at the Bible, we see that Yahweh doesn't pick the biggest, the strongest, the fastest. A lot of time, it's the unassuming, the underdog, the little guy, the smallest nation, and that's how he shows the world his strength. I want to encourage action. I want you to know, when I see you guys taking action, when I see you guys moving towards the light, it encourages me. It makes me feel motivated, feel empowered. It makes me want to do more and be someone in the fight, building for the kingdom. I know that you will stand when called when lesser men and women wouldn't. And I don't... No one knows when, no one knows how, no one knows where. But we're all going to have that moment where we've got to be the one that stands in the gap. <clears throat> First Timothy 6.12 says, Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And in Ephesians it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. 
For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which Yahweh has promised to those who love him. Sometimes in life, we don't have all the answers. We just know that there's a storm raging. Sometimes we don't know the reasons why or we don't know why this trial and this struggle, you know, we're having to go through it. But, you know, it's not up to us to know a lot of these things. We give those things to Yahweh. The secret things are Yahweh's. And we let him take that. We let him do the things, and we just keep the peace and let him do the things that are out of our control. Let him answer the questions and solve the problems that, that we just don't know the answers to. <clears throat> but you know, when we're, when we're thinking about what our goal is, why have we spent this feast together other than absolutely it's fun other than absolutely you guys are amazing but why are we here we're here because we're chasing a goal that is worthy a goal of eternity and we're standing on a lot of people's shoulders and those people have sacrificed a lot for us to be here for us to be able to do things And when you look to your right and when you look to your left and you look behind you and you look in front of you and you look in the eyes of your little kiddos and you're like, is it worth it? Is it worth eternity? Are we going to impact them? Are we going to lead them? Are we going to guide them? Are we going to give up some earthly fun, some earthly things? For this goal, if you're trying, if you're trying, you know, you, if you're trying to win a championship in any sport, that goal has to be high enough that when you're getting up at five in the morning, at four in the morning, like that ain't easy, right? But your goal, you know, that's what it takes. So I would just ask you, look around at your family and ask them, are they worth it? Are they worth the five in the morning? Are they worth the sacrifice that we're called to give so that we can impact eternity? Because there's people that I know y'all want to see, there's people that I want to see, maybe for the first time, maybe for the second time. But we have an opportunity to impact eternity And, you know, I know our, our, uh, our assembly has been, you know, got some great people going through tremendous uh, struggles with health. And, and I, don't have, I don't know all the answers, but I know, I know how they are. I know that 
I know they are, have made up their mind that they're going to finish strong. They're going to push through. They're going to have peace. They're going to give it to Yahweh. And when you look at that type of example, it's inspiring. I hope that I can be half the man those guys are. Because they're just, they're going. And they're not taking their hand off that plow. And I think when we look and we see them, man, this should encourage every one of us to grab a hold of that plow and keep pushing. If you don't mind bowing your head, uh, joining me in uh, a prayer. Yahweh, we ask for you to bless us with your strength, not the physical, but the mental strength, to stand up when called, to stand out when needed. We ask you to bless our children, to give them a a heart for you and your ways, and let them understand wisdom of your laws. I pray that we all will hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. And I pray that that you will find our names written in the book of life. We just thank you for this feast. Just thank you for these individuals. Just thank you for all the blessings. And thank you for most of all for Yahshua who paid the price for our inadequacies. Love you and everything we give you the glory in your sinner's name.